Hello and welcome to the Animation Club podcast. This is a Q&A featuring Jim Parking. Please note that these Q&As were recorded across 2020 and 2021 during the COVID-19 pandemic. We hope you enjoy listening to this podcast. Goodbye for now. Hello Animation Club. Um, welcome back. We've got our first Q&A of 2021 and we've got Jim Parking. He plays with Clay. <laughs> um I'll hand over to you straight away if you want to introduce yourself and then we can uh, um, ask some questions. Lovely. Thanks, Sam. So, yeah, hello, everybody. Um, My name's Jim. I am a senior model maker at Ardman Animations. Well, I'm a freelance model maker, essentially, Um, and I've had a 20-odd-year career in model making and working in stop motion. Um, So, yeah, predominantly for uh, Ardman, but for the BBC and occasionally across the world as well. Yeah, kind of a varied career. And uh, yeah, and Sam and I met through um, Venue Cymru as well, through uh, Take Part. And um, yes, we've kind of chatted over virtual reality and animation and all sorts. So we've had it's been some years now, hasn't it, actually? Yeah, yeah it's, it was a, because um, I didn't go to the last one, so it's about four or five years ago now, I think. Yeah, I think it um, might be six now, I think, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Bye bye. <laughs> Um, brilliant, we've got quite a few people in now. So um, I'll just remind everyone there's a bit of a delay. So if you ask questions, we're not ignoring you. They just might come through a few seconds or so many seconds later. Um, I'll, I'll start with a question and then we'll see if any come in. Um, so the first question is, um, is sort of how did you get started in animation or what were your first steps in the creative industry? Um, well, it goes back. Well, obviously, quite some time. Um, I was doing product design as a BTech national. I kind of specialised in 3D design, and it was quite. Um, we had some really good tutors who were industry based. Um, we worked in car manufacture, um, in product design for electronics, and in toy design. And I kind of had a leaning towards toy design, but um, there was a guy called Simon English who was teaching kind of video production at the time. So this would have been the early 90s. Um, and for one hour a week, after hours, he would allow, allow any students who were not studying film to come along, have a play with the cameras, and um, introduce me to the world of animation, which was um, yeah, quite exciting. And just very basic stuff, so using VHS and Super VHS at the time. Um, so quite clunky interfaces, but it was a, a kind of a, a, foot, a first foot on, the, you know, on the, um, that journey into stop motion. And then, you know, as it was coming to that, you know, looking at what you studied for a degree, and back then it was still on some grants, you know, the student loans had just started, um, saying you could actually study animation, you know, and um, it's something you should probably think about, and I thought, well, why would I do anything else? This seems like a brilliant thing to do. Can't suddenly believe back then, you know, that you could find someone from a very working class background could find themselves working in television. It's quite, um, yeah, quite liberating, actually. Yeah, so that, that was it, and then I went off to study in um, the sunshine town of Breeze. It's, it's, it is amazing when you discover that sort of thing where a creative job, you realise that with a creative job you can get into it. Uh, there's different ways into it, isn't there? That you don't yeah. have to. Yeah. It all seems you know, kind of delightfully exotic and, um, and kind of beyond your reach, really, for someone from a kind of, you know, working class background and... Um, you know, that was that was it. I thought I might be lucky enough to work in product design or 
graphic mm. design or something like that, um, or maybe even ceramics, but you know, there wasn't that much tutelage in that kind of thing, but I knew I wanted to work in a 3D medium. Um, so yeah, it was all, all from that really, and then yeah, studying in Camorgan in University in, in Pumphrey uh, for three years, and uh, yeah, kind of really found that I had a, a great love for stop motion, but really the making was where my, my heart was, and I think back then, you know, as we're talking now, everybody has access to a phone that is a studio, your mm. Mac is a, you know, your, your laptop can be a studio with a camera, and very quickly you can get to a very high standard production value um, on a budget, whereas back then everything cost so much, and the access to the sheer number of cameras, there was only one camera between 10 of us, I think, or 12 of us, you know, so finding your slot to film was stressful, and it was a stress that I didn't really enjoy, um, and I felt that you never really got to grips with the actual art of animation, because we weren't taught how to make models, and so you, you learned everything. Um, you know, it was very early days of dial-up um, internet, so there weren't the forums and things that there are now. You know, so um, so it was it was a, a learning by mistakes, you know, and, and, and slow slow learning. So um, I always thought, I can come back to animation as and when I want to, and, and I have since, you know, kind of rediscovered that love of, of moving stuff about. It, yeah, it's a great. I mean, like say, learning through mistakes is is one thing that I do add in the um, in the animation club. It's it, you can't learn unless you've made a mistake first. Yeah, um, I think so right. And that's that's brilliant. But it could, if I could tell you why, then yeah, unless you know, I know that I prepared for every eventuality and, and then it went brilliantly. That, that's great. But yeah, again, there are accidents that happen. That um, sorry, I was just checking if there was any comments as well while we. Chatting then. Um, oh, there's oh, that's someone. Hi, Donna. Oh, well, hi, Shane. I'm, Shane's probably watching as well. So, um, uh, yeah, so uh, I will I'll do another question because we'll probably get some more in a moment. Who or what would be your biggest inspiration for your work? Uh, whether it's something that inspired you in the past to go forward or something that inspires keeps inspiring you now? I think uh, there would you know, kind of those early influences as a child. I'd love watching TV as a child. Saturday morning television for me was quite an exciting thing. So, you know, live and kicking or going live back then actually and, and watching those things. And things like Trapdoor and, um, yeah, kind of was a real uh, kind of serious uh, love of mine. And, and I still I still watch it now. It's still absolutely brilliant. And, um, yeah, I got to work with Terry Brain who created that. So Terry was a big influence on my career. And I would say that... Um, as I got older and into the more, in, yeah, actually became to study animation and get into the, uh, the industry, um, I really fell in love with an early project of uh, Richard Starzak, so Golly from um, from Arvin. And yeah, he was the, um, if anybody doesn't know who Golly is, he's the co creator of Shaun the Sheep, so obviously the TV series uh, expanded from Nick's original on Clochet. And Golly was in charge of reinventing that and bringing it into the mainstream as a series. And obviously, Timmy Time partly involved with that as well. And also, um, he did the Creature Comforts kind of reinvention as well. Um, and, and less famously, um, uh, my favourite project probably of all time, uh, Rex the Runt, which is a kind of series of um, kind of gingerbread dogs, like teenage, a bit like the young ones, but with uh, kind of delinquent dogs. And um, yeah, I, I, I was completely besotted with this kind of anarchic world. And the fact that you can mix live action and bits of puppetry and mm. animation together um, in a kind of devil may care fashion or seemingly devil may care was um, was really um, intoxicating and, and I still really like that slightly punk 
kind of zine feel that Rex has. And um, yeah, I, I try and keep a bit of that in what I do. Really. Brilliant. I've not watched that Rex run for ages. I keep forgetting about it. And then someone mentioned it. It's like, oh, yeah. The, I, I yeah. do get That's quite a good way of putting it as well. Uh, young ones version. <laughs> like a clay version of the young ones. <laughs> the dogs. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sorry. I completely forgot what I said. Where I was going next. <laughs> What's your favourite animational project that you've been involved with? Okay. Well, part of, part of the answer is actually the second series of Rex Run because I had to get to work on that. So I had the dream of uh, watching the kind of early pilot and loving that and then really enjoying the first series. And then I, I joined Arvin in 2000, January 2000, on Chicken Run. And um, that was over a year in, in six months. That was, that was done and out there. And they'll be on to the next future film and I was looking around and then they said we're, we're, we're putting into production a second series of Rex so um, immediately I went for it and fortunately I got the job as one of the sculptors and, and main model maker of the project so I've got a deep love of Rex but I think again Pete's Cummings is really uh, my greatest love I just love watching it as a teenager I've been about 12 I think when it came out and mm. it's like the BBC listening project I think you know I really love that like, chatting to people around the world country or around the world and it's all quite candid people seem to get that the microphone's there and they talk about you know the most uh, you know sometimes nonsense sometimes very uh, poetic and it's got empathy and it's got just a really lovely gentle project and i think creature comforts has that you're just adding an extra element with the animation on top yeah. and it's it's a gentle humor it's not trying to take the mickey out of anybody it's not trying to to make fun of people as such it's just um the funny things that we do and, and kind of, you know, bringing out um, the humour in, in that as well. It's just, yeah, I just think it's lovely. I think it's still one of the best things that I've ever done. Here. It's fantastic. And it's got that definite sort of style to it as well. I love the uh, creature comforts. And so, um, I was going to say, with your model maker, as, as a senior model maker, um, uh, it sort of clicked then. Was, so do you, would you be making in... Arvin's case, would you be making the puppets for them to use, or do you make the puppets for people to work work from? A bit of both, really. I tend to be, but I'm either hired as a sculptor and puppet maker, and they'll mm. often sit hand in hand, or I'll be a team leader and I'll, I'll lead a team of people to make the thing. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's going straight onto the studio floor, really. So you know, it's it's what we call a heads-on sticks animation. So it's um, they're quite simple models, really. A lot of coring to make them as light as possible. Um, and then a removable head, that's very important, you can take the head off. Um, and then they're generally quite limited to hands, the gesturing, and the head turn. But the bodies are quite solid often, so, um, so they're relatively simple in construction, but the thing that makes creature companies expensive is there are so many recurrent characters, and uh, not non-recurrent characters, there's new characters all the time, and they might not come into the next episode, so you're making a lot of sets and props in characters mm. that might not be seen again, they might be just a one-off. And that's kind of the joy of it, but what makes it expensive? So yeah. since you know they kind of had it's had several reinventions digitally, which um they're okay. Um, I just think they lack the charm of the original, and it's something that there isn't that warmth there. I think um, certainly not at the moment. I think we can, you know keep experimenting with it or working out ways of making it more um, budget friendly. Really, but um, I just love it. Yeah. Made more. There's a there's quite an interesting combination I've found 
that seems to work or is starting to work well is the use of you could have a set but then the background is all like a, a screen almost like a, a cgi screen uh, like they did it in the mandalorian with uh, the whole set yeah and I, I did a bit with the projector behind me i set that up with um a, a night sky on and then i animated in front of it so it just it gives it depth but you're not taking the entire thing out of stop motion and yes well i think what's lovely about that i mean that's the oldest kind of theatrical trick in the book really <laughs> Bit of either rear projection or uh, you know, or, or front projection, it's great. I think actually, even using as I'm talking to you now on an iPad, even yeah. having or a TV screen because it's such high definition now, as long as you don't get the reflections on it, you can use them a really great effect. And again, like you, yourself, I've been playing with um, with shooting characters in front of that, and that's quite um, quite lovely actually. Yeah, yeah, we've got a couple of questions now, so I think it's Wilfred asking. Uh, how long does it take to create one project? Obviously, you've got various lengths of projects, so probably yeah. a different... <laughs> maybe um, thoughts first. And it's, um, it's one of those things that um, a feature film, obviously, um, it's it's down to the, the, the frames per second, really. So you're shooting on one generally for a feature film, so 25 frames a second, mm. and each animator may be producing one or two seconds a day. But we've got 30 animators you're producing a minute, um, maybe a bit more if you're lucky. Um, and then something like Sean Machine is about eight seconds, six to eight seconds. Morph is about eight to ten seconds, I think now. Because um, you're shooting on twos, so you know um, an episode of Sean can be shot in a couple of weeks. But you're often shooting everything that say is in the farmhouse at the kitchen table. You're shooting several episodes concurrently, so you, you use as many of those set bits as you can um, to not have to take the farmhouse down and put it somewhere else and then put it back up again. So you try and make it as efficient as possible when you're shifting all your shots, just working those things out. So, um, fortunately, that's somebody else's job to have that headache of, um, of working out where the story is. So, we have plots around Bossy Bottom Farm and have a set number of things like the sheep dip, interior of farmhouse on the landing, you know, the backfield, and all those things. So, it's quite there's, there is a real art to, to working out how to efficiently shoot an episode. But, yeah, it's about, about two weeks for an episode short, I would say. That's, that seems a lot less as well, actually, than I thought with the two weeks of... But again, as you say, with multiple sets and things going on, it's... Yeah, and it's like, you know, working at that time, so it soon, it soon stacks up. It's only not too complicated. Let's see, what else have we got? Uh, so, uh, Mindy Lou says, um, if someone wanted to get into animation now, what sort of thing would help them uh, to achieve that? Well, I mean, there's, there's so much opportunity now. Um, there are... Back in the day when I started, there were quite a few studios. Then it really, you know, kind of slimmed down. But there's a lot of work up in Manchester, um, various studios, factory making great stuff, um, Kieran Saunders, and various other studios up in Manchester. And then obviously Bristol is a pretty good scene. London, obviously, Clapham Road Studios, and, and um, they're producing quite beautiful stuff. Um, so there's a lot of work around. It's getting your foot in the door, really. But um, you know, studying in animation is a is a brilliant thing to do um, but you certainly don't have to have spent all that money on having a degree I think now we have access um, to the technology and now there are people like yourself uh, and, and me that are going out and teaching people the basics um, and that's something that, that you, know, you and I both share a passion for 
sharing that um, kind of back to basics nature. We were just look, looking at your uh, tinfoil dinosaurs a little, uh, a little while ago. Um, you know, being able to produce great elevations on a budget, and um, you know, there is no substitute really for practice. So, enabling people to have that practice and to learn their art. It's about storytelling as well. The animation can be pretty appalling, but if the storytelling is good, you will suffer quite you know, low uh, production values. Um, in fact, it can be part of it. That can be part of the, the joy of it as well. So, um, yeah, now I've got some great stuff that's got quite shocking animation, but I love it because it's really funny or it's got pathos or, you know, you can suffer that. So, um, yeah. I've seen um, with a lot of festivals, um, for anyone that has thought about watching things at festivals, I recommend that as well. But uh, so you get a variety of things where the not only the animation might be simpler than you'd expect, but also the uh, set design or the puppets could be quite crudely made as well. But like you say, if, if the story works, then that works, or it could be part of the style. I remember one that was about the uh, I can't remember the actual fairy tale that was. It had a fox in it. I know that, um, but. The puppets were like made out of newspaper and things, and you could see where they made like the details out of string and stuff all glued down. And yeah, it was all really rough, and you could see the puppets. But then when the story got going, you were sucked into it, and you forget. Yes, yeah, so that suspension of belief. It's like yeah. you're very, very aware of the stage, mm. the actors at first, but if it's great, a great production, you're soon sucked in there, as you say. Actually, I think that's really yeah. nice. And lost in it. It's that um, it's that uncanny valley thing as well, isn't it? Where um, if you look at something that's trying to be too human, your brain doesn't accept it, but you can quite happily accept some like Wallace, who's got big ears and massive mouth and stuff, and 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 go along with it quite easily. Yeah, yeah. So working on iPad, I don't seem to have that function on the side here. Oh, right. Yeah, that's alright. So uh, let's have a look. So we got look at it, but I can only then obliterate your face, so I won't do that anymore. Otherwise, <laughs> you'll see my hands poking at the screen. Um, I think the gist of this question is that um, uh, with being only able to animate a few seconds a day, does that mean every last detail is storyboarded for the whole series before you start? Um, or can you make changes once you start animating and i mean there is there is leeway um as, as a large animation directors will often say can you afford to give the animator an extra second it doesn't seem a lot if you think mm. eight percent of sean would say is seven and a half minutes long um excluding titles and credits then that every second counts you know so um, can you give the, the, the actor the time to breathe and have that timing or um, you know it's um yeah it's kind of it's quite fascinating um but yeah i think most things are meticulously planned out to the second because you have to you don't want to overshoot there's not the budget to have excess footage so mm. the outtakes have a budget they're all planned for you know it's something falls over that's not funny in stop motion it's something just falls on the floor but obviously one frame is there and one frame is down there but um, if you make something fall over on purpose and animate it through, then obviously that that is yeah hilarious. And uh, so yeah, it's it, it's all pretty planned. But I mean, if you're doing your own film, then you could be a bit more interpretive, especially if it's something in the actions of music 
um, there is a sense of timing, so there's a pace to it, but you can be a bit more freeform, I think. Yeah, we did um, one a few weeks ago where I just made it up as I went along to show that sort of thing as well, and it's yes. interesting to see that, just see where it goes. I mean, a lot, a lot yeah. of people, but yeah, I, um, planning is definitely key to, especially when you're, like you say, when you're working to a time scale and a budget is key. Yeah, yeah um, I really enjoy that. Yeah, you'll find some gold in that. Yeah. Around. So Wilfred's asking, does it help to have a very distinctive, recognisable style, or is it good to do lots of different things? I like the variety, actually. I mean, I've, I've been very Ardman-based, but I do really enjoy work of other studios, and, and um, I like going to smaller studios and going out and just saying, what is it you want me to do? You know, obviously we don't all want the coat hanger smile and the mono brow and those things. So working mm. in a different style is really refreshing. Um, and not everybody likes working in plasticine. Some people really hate it coming from other studios. You can't stand working with play. They want a solid puppet that's much more controllable. Um, so, um, yeah, it's all down to, to personal taste. But I, like, I like the variety. Right? Yes. Get it. So, so we're all freelance. So if I can go and work for another studio and try something else, um, lower budget and quicker, I quite like commercial because you've got to get things out often um, with very little prep time. You don't have a prototype stage, your puppet is the hero one and that's it. So you can get the lives and dies by you know, by that and there's quite a nice energy to it as well. Mm. So I really enjoy I find that people naturally come to their sort of style though as well. Um I've noticed with I mean with Ardman definitely with Wallace and Gromit there's a style there. Um and then you can you can see and, and the same with um I was looking up again some more of your stuff before the uh, beforehand and you can sort of see your style in it coming through not to say that you're stuck in that style but like you can tell it's yeah, part of that, the... that in itself is quite um, an interesting point though in that when you work with companies for so long knowing what your voice is you're a comedian but you're having to often work in something that isn't your style so my style is not i'm not entirely sure what my style is i'm learning that actually i've got more freedom i'm beginning to Come out of the um, you know the shadow of the ample bosom of of our, and uh, you know and, and find my own style, um, mm. which obviously has some in, uh, some influence of, of Arden, But um, yeah, finding your own voice is quite important as well, really, and not forgetting that um, along the way, really. I do love the if anyone hasn't looked at them yet, I do like the look of the um, portraits you were doing with plasticine. Like there's a, the picture of the dog one on on your website. I imagine that would be quite a nice style to animate in. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I think there's, there's something in that I think we played around with. Right, what else do we have? Uh, so what's been the largest model and what's been the smallest model that you've worked on? Okay, yeah, that's, that's a good question. Well, Ardman themselves had at one point the, had a, um, the record for the world's largest animation, which is Gulp. On a, with a phone, a Nokia phone, yeah. um, on a crane, on a beach, and it's quite beautiful. Um, and the smallest was something called Dot, which mm. was shot with a Nokia phone. So quite opposite ends of the, pro uh, of the problem, um, using a microscope that attached to a phone. So that was really quite exciting. Yeah. Um, but for me, I think the, probably the smallest things I've made, I've made like little tiny replacement ants for shot, so yeah, that's 
couple of centimetre maybe high, yeah. but like a properly formed like about probably about three centimetres, yeah. something like that, or four centimetres, a tiny little fish with a very deep voice um, that was living on a tongue of a whale, and the whale was probably the biggest thing I've made. So I kept, me and my friend Lee worked on this fiberglass shell and then covered it in plasticine, and it was about two metres long by about a metre high, and it had wow. these poultry rate mouth placements that slid in and out, and then this big silicon tongue flopped out and this little tiny fish. Um, lived on top of it. It's for um, Hubba Bubba, for the uh, yeah, Hubbagum uh, commercial. Um, so that's probably, and again, probably the, the, the census of size difference as well, all in one project is quite, uh, is quite unique as well. Brilliant. They've also added, um, is it easier to work on larger or smaller models? I imagine It's own problem, really. Um, size and weight are always an issue. Hmm. So, um, so obviously being able to get an armature inside something small and fiddly is um is quite uh, quite a trip. But again, um something larger, you need a bigger, bulkier armature to be able to support its weight. So that again has its own issues. Both are good fun though, and you know, we do go from working in stop motion to working on things like Star Wars or um, you know, theatrical productions and stuff as well. So um yeah, if you have the skills then you can you can swap scales quite um quite easily. I should read these while you're talking, so I don't have big pauses. Sorry about that. Uh, it's not easy. Uh, well, while I'm reading some of these, then, um, what uh, I think I've asked about what your favourite project was, but what's your favourite character that you've created? Oh, that's tricky. In all honesty, a lot of the projects I work on, we don't actually get that much creativity in terms of design. So I'd say Creature Comforts probably has the greatest level of um, artistic interpretation. So we give them pretty good designs, but there's always that room to, you know, to make them leap from 2D to 3D, and that can be quite, um, make quite good changes. Um, and sometimes there's not even the time to add an extra character, or there's a change of plan, and then say, Jim, can you make a funny, funny dog? Mm. Or a series of dogs bummed with wine tails for a, a wine tasting group. Um, yeah, or or make uh, you know, a three French hens very quickly in two days, and and then you've got a bit more kind of room to to kind of yeah flex your, your creative muscles really. So I think creature comforts probably get because I'm a great lover of animals, and um, yeah, combine those things together. Um, yeah, it's just brilliant. And um, we've got a few more questions. Uh, so we've got, uh, so here's uh, Rianne Lohman, uh, the animator I said about that's uh, talking us from uh, over in America. Um, she says she's been in love with Ardman for a long time. What was it like to be part of uh, a growing company like that? And also, did you do more of the model making for the sets or the puppet sculpting? That's a great question. Thank you. Um, so yeah, I joined in 2000. So the company had been going for quite some years then. Um, obviously it's grown much bigger since then, but it was the first feature film um, that Arjun had made. And it was the first stop motion, well, first animated feature that had been in the British uh, industry for, for quite some years. Um, so I was really excited to be part of that boom from going from the very small studio, which is where I spend most of my time now in our headquarters building, which is uh, an old banana warehouse with a very posh office attached to it. Um, so, um, so yeah, so it's a really heavy time. 
because the media were quite interested or very interested in everything we were doing, the bean journalists sat outside the car park and take photos of the window. So every day we had to draw the blinds down so they couldn't see things that were happening. People were nicking stuff like the skips, you know, like Tweedy's pies. And yeah, it's quite a heavy time. And I think, you know, we're all. I was one of the younger ones with clothes. So I've been like 22. Mm. I think when I, when I joined Arden or around that age. Anyway, um, so, you know, um, and everybody was in their 20s and 30s. So it was pretty young crew now. I mean, there were a lot of younger bomb makers and animators coming through. Um, but, you know, there's people now in their 50s and 60s who worked on that, you know, so, um, so I'm in 40s now, you know, so that's the, that's the thing, that, that's why I'm a senior model maker, it's just that I'm a very old model maker, and, you know, it's mostly my job to work on puppets. Um, mm. But say I went to work for um, a studio elsewhere, um, and I worked with um, a good friend, Drew Roper, down in uh, Yaminations in Birmingham, I'll go and work with him and I'll make props. I'll make puppets and I'm on the set dressing and you know helping with lighting and all sorts so really get hands on again my good friend Dan Richards down in Margate at uh, A plus C studios um I could be doing puppet making prop making yeah a little bit of camera rigging or something like that and helping out um and that's what's nice about the small studios is you get that variety mm. of work because it's not the sheer size of crew that we have at Ardman you know so that's um, again quite the nice thing about working at smaller studios is that that variety of work as well. It's I, I love that too. Is the being able to have a bit of like have, uh, try a bit of everything, really, isn't it? And get your hands again. You, it's good as well because you can sometimes find out a different bit that you didn't realise you'd enjoy and maybe go down that route. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Uh, so similar to that, um, uh, Sam is asking. Uh, how closely do the animation team and story writers work together at Ardman, or um, does everyone get to pitch in with everything? Um, it's quite a closed store, really. So there's, um, the director obviously works very closely with the writers mm. um, and the producer. So the producer will tell you whether you can afford to have that mm. in your film. You have flying chicken sheds and coops uh, and things like that, and how many puppets you we afford to have so that will limit the size and scale of your ambition or you work out ways around that um so it's not so much down to the animation and the animators there who our head of animation uh, lloyd price will have a say in things and um but there's very little that's not possible you know there's always a way of working around it and a good challenge as well is always enjoyed so um so yeah it's more down it's more down to the possibilities of the build time for puppets and sets. So the producer has the hands on the on you know the production manager have their hands on the first strings and uh, the amount of crew you can afford to have. So it's all down to that really um, more than anything else I would say. Oh uh, we've got Wilfred again he's asking what is it like to see your own stuff on telly or in the cinema? I mean it never stops being exciting. It's mortifying. And if you've got to cut something out it's not to the level that you'd like it to be but other people are happy with. Um, then mm cringe, everybody has a cringe moments and stuff on screen. Um, so yeah, but it, I mean, even, even seeing it on, uh, say on Instagram or on Facebook, it's still quite exciting, having little commercials and things that go on there. And yeah, that's another platform as well, which is really nice that you've got lower budget platforms that you can get out on social media. Um, and that's still quite exciting, just seeing something you've made on screen 
working, but to see the cinema or on Netflix or whatever is um, yeah, brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. Brilliant. I um, yeah, I I still surprised if I just see my stuff being shared around. I mean, I uh, yeah, the biggest thing that I remember, not biggest as such, but the surprising thing I remember was um, I'd made a snowman, um, but it was Yoda. Um, and it was actually, you could, you could Google Yoda Snowman and it was one of the top ones that popped up. And I was thinking, oh, I made that and put that online for, that was years ago now, it's probably still on there, but just to see that really appear. Not not as big as scenes on telly, but you know, it, it, it does feel weird to see it other than just. Yeah, it's positive affirmation that you've done a good job of something and it's something surprising as well. But yeah, you should have, you should have. <laughs> so we got Karis asking how many people work on character design um, as in like the concept art for things like Chicken Run and Early Man? Um, well it's Early Man was obviously very much a Nick Park thing and again Chicken Run had a, a very strong Nick Park influence. Peter <laughs> co-directed and co-designed on that so it was a team effort. Um, so there would have been several designers on Chicken Run to get it right, but um, yeah, um, generally it's down to Nick's vision, it's a Nick Park production, so a lot of it is down to his sketches and then there's a, a couple of um, storyboard artists and character designers who work with him to kind of bring them to life and then obviously we have our model making team that then start to sculpt the, the maquettes, you know, mm -hmm. and, and getting that, that transformation 3D, but you know, Nick likes to get his hands on it every stage really, and, get his fingers in there and put his mark on it and add it to create that unique vision as well. Um, mm. There's very few, few people that he actually trusts to really do the sculpting um, that has his look because he's got a very definite look. Yeah. And in, in anything else then, sorry, that you've worked on, how many you reckon you've done? It's one of these sacred comforts. We had one in-house designer for that. Um, and then I got the opportunity to throw in a few designs if we needed extra stuff. And our main designer, Sylvia Bull, was, um, was busy. Um, and then, um, yes, yeah, so and then the commercial is often one designer that's been pre, uh, pre worked on a project with a design agency or with the advertising agency and with Arvin. So, um, so it's a very small shop often, but a bigger film will obviously find the feel is the part of it. So um, on Pirates, it was Johnny Double. Um, lives in uh, Flintshire, so he's not very far from you at all, really. You know. Um, oh yeah. But yeah, he's he signed everything really for um, pirates. So again, it's down to one person's kind of vision, really. Um, and then others like pirates originally. Yeah, you know, we all got to throw in our own designs. We were fishing around trying to find the right look for it, um, and then they hit up on on Johnny's work. It's beautiful. Fantastic. Um, I've got another. Sort of, uh, I think we've run out of questions at the moment from other people until they catch up. Um, uh, I thought of one, uh, I'm trying to think about how to word it, but um, what's a moment that you've been uh, proud of? So um, it, it could be a piece of work or just a moment where you've done something and you've been particularly creative. Um, you mentioned that yeah. animation. Uh, problem solving, so maybe a moment where you've once said we want that animation and you thought, how am I going to do that? And then, um, I think really there's a, a key scene in, in uh, Sean the movie where um, Trumper 
bringing Sean and Fitzes in there, but he has to just walk past and the, the hard nuts of the uh, of the animal pound, and um, it's probably got some of the nicest kind of puppets and the simplest puppets. Right. There's a, a Rottweiler with bark and bite on his knuckles, where he's holding on the bars, and there's a, um, a poodle with like a beehive doing what, lift, uh, lifting weights, and um, there's a comedian and stuff in there. And it's just those kind of little moments, and there's a character that just stares, this dog that stares at bits, and thinking about it. It's just a photograph, there's no animation in it, which is brilliant. But um, it makes people laugh when you watch the audience watching that. There's, there's quite a, you know, it's quite an emotional thing. Um, and I love that. It was a real surprise, actually, how they laugh that I've got. Yeah, it's great. I remember you talking about that in another, um, another lecture. Um, and yeah, that bit's fantastic. It's the knowing when not to animate, isn't it? Yeah, when I run my own productions, is I say to, to animators, you get the urge to move something. Try not to, partly because budgets don't allow it, but also because you, you kind of hang on there every word. So, you know, you kind of get them, the, the timing of a pause and you, you're just waiting for the next thing to happen. It's really um, compelling viewing. Mm -hmm. Oh, we've got some more questions. Oh, is there something that you have not worked on that you, you would have loved to have worked on? Absolutely. Yeah, loads. Um, yeah, I mean, some of my, you know, career choices, um, but actually sometimes just things that you weren't either around for, you weren't born, or, mm. you know, uh, I would love to have worked on Night Day Before Christmas. Mm. Um, I'd love to, to work with Tim Burton, to be honest, and I didn't have a job on Corpse Bride, um, but it clashed with some other things, so I just had to turn it down, and it's one of those, often one of those jobs where I think, what would have happened if I'd worked on that? Yeah, you know, I could have worked on um, Frank and Weenie and, and things like that. Again, films that I really love and would love to have had a hand in. Or, uh, you know, as well. So, different career choices could have taken me different places. So, um, so yeah, but those are, uh, well, I do love for those kind of really quite, you know, um, dark and, and beautiful films. I mean, yeah, Nightmare yeah. Focus is still um, a firm favourite. And I would have loved to have worked on. Um, uh, Paranorman as well. Paranorman. Mm. That was it. Like a yeah. uh, production, I think actually is still my absolute favourite. I liked. Uh, I do like a lot of um, Likers. Is it Liker or Laker? I can never uh, say Laker. it. Liker. Um, I do love their stuff. And um, you were talking before about the site, uh, the different pup, uh, size puppets, and they've got the largest, haven't they? They've got that skeleton was the largest. Huge. Crazy, I didn't realize they'd made that full yeah. size. Yeah. Um, we've also got um, Has any of your work been affected by lockdown? Yeah, absolutely. Um, a lot of my work um, was over the last couple of years is um, has been based in education, really, and live stuff. So um, I've been out on tour, traveling to schools, going to universities, doing bits of lecturing. And mentoring, um, going to workplaces and doing team building, going to festivals and travelling around. And that's how, you know, say, how Sam and I met. Uh, he was at the um, take part in London. Uh, um, I really enjoyed the, the live circuit of doing those demonstrations and, and running workshops. So, to the point that actually I dropped working in feature films um, all together for a bit, just to have a break and just to enjoy the outside world a bit. 
really. Um, so yeah, so, so it's been a disaster. <laughs> In short. Is there any chances for film work now at the moment? With, with there being lockdown, is there anything that you can be working on? And there are productions um, in in place um, in the studio, so they've been uh, with an they've been shooting more um, mm. series that's out on Sky now, um, and there is production on next year's um, kind of uh, Christmas special BBC, which is exciting, and they're really getting into working on, on um, developing and crewing up on Chicken Run Two as well, um, which is which is lovely. You know, only twenty years on. But it's uh, being produced now, which is fantastic. So there's, there's plenty going on, and I've worked with other little studios over COVID. And that's that's interesting, having to have the social spacing and, and the cleaning regime to keep mm. the food safe is, um, is a constant battle, really. But um, not insurmountable, which is good to see, you know, and, and things are being produced as well, you know. So that's, um, that's really good. Yeah, it's all positive, I think. So uh, Lindsay's asking, do people who work in animation move around between studios during their careers, or is it super territorial? Um, I think there is a little bit of a north-south divide. I think people who work in Manchester can stay in Manchester and not come down to, to Bristol, but they'll mm. to London. So some have um, quite a strong allegiances with different studios, but then others are happy to flit around. I, you know, um, I'm very happy to work with Arvind but um, I'd love to work in Manchester as well. Um, you know, um, I haven't really pushed my career in, in Manchester or um, or in London that much, to be honest. Um, so I've been quite happy based here. And I was just saying, kind of taking that step out for a bit and just enjoying the, the live set. It's been really nice to, and again, that means I get to travel around different places, um, exploring as well, which is, which is always good. But yeah, no, it's um, you can work you, if you're free. Honestly, you're free to go wherever you will and you can get work in Manchester or in Bristol or in London or you know, worldwide then yeah there's nothing to stop you doing that at all. Have you worked anywhere abroad for any projects? I've done some remote stuff for a, a job in, in the US many many years ago um, and doing little bits and pieces and then uh, so with the workshop and that takes me slipping down the, down the seat there travelling across the kitchen floor. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so you know, and, and doing the workshops that I've, I've travelled, uh, done something uh, the premiere of Farmageddon in, in Macau, China, and um, did a book fair in Guadalajara, um, yeah, so uh, Mexico City, so um, yeah, I've done bits and pieces, a tour of kinder museums in Germany, which was really, really good fun. So, um, so yeah, it takes you exciting places. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, hopefully, when lockdown's over, I can try and work abroad. <laughs> I remember uh, I spoke to um, Bar when I started talking to Barry, uh, Barry Purvis, about. Um, but yeah, I just started chatting to him again, and um, I found out he, it was when he just made Tchaikovsky, and it turns out he did have um, students coming across to Russia where he was filming it to do like a behind the scenes documentary thing. And now it's like, I just missed out on that. <laughs> it's like, you should have, oh, yeah. Um, yeah. It's amazing what opportunities are out there, isn't there, too? Yeah, if you're brave enough, I think, you know, and Barry's a good example. Barry was very much stalwart of um, Ardman, you know, he did a lot of his early projects 
with our millimeters and then went to work up in Cockrove and, and, and travelled between. So, you know, he's got a, a, a happy career of doing that. And obviously then doing stage and theatre as well, you know. So, uh, yeah, he's an incredibly talented man and, um, yeah, fascinating to talk to. Yeah. Is it, um, yeah, I'm still surprised that I chat to him and then the more I, uh, I it's like, um, I, I spoke to him at the first time I met him was at uh, Bradford uh, mm. when the animation festival over there. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, just chatted to him and then I'd not heard of him before and then went home and Googled who he was and what he'd worked on and thought, oh yeah, I do know that stuff. <laughs> and yeah. then you get a bit of, bit, um, what's the word? Starstruck, is it? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I was. Um, I was. I was I'll, I'll admit that when uh, when I met you was the same thing, being a bit starstruck. Because um, if you remember, I was there with one of my uh, friends um, who was yeah. working with me at Take Part, and uh, she had to start talking first because I didn't know what to say apart from hello. Um, <laughs> I mean, well, you know, that's that's where it started, though, and, and that, you know, that's that's where we kept our friendship, you know, kind of going as well. So. Stayed in touch all the all these years, um, but no, Browning Barry is far more important. And uh, yeah, won lots of awards. He's a proper star. I'm just um, <laughs> friendly, very face of Arthur. Um, ah, oh, so let's have a look. Let's see if there's any more questions. Sorry, I'm a bit. Uh, no, no more questions at the moment. Um, uh, uh, what advice would you give to um, young animators then that are? Well, I think, yeah, it's just to just the good storytelling is great. So great characters, um, you can come up with them, and great storytelling. I can say actually, it's a good story. The puppets and characters can be quite crude, and have very little animation. Mm. So really, it's that, and, and there's no substitute, as I say repeatedly really for just getting out there and creating content. It doesn't matter if you make mistakes and stuff, it's absolutely fine. It's all part of the learning and you know, get stuff get yourself a YouTube channel, get stuff out online or Instagram or whatever platform and just start sharing it. You know, people are, are um, people are generally excited to see all sorts of stuff, stuff that you might not think much of, somebody else is going to be completely in love with. So um, so yeah, I think you know it's a, it's a genuinely quite a supportive network out there. And there are lots of forums and people asking tips and stuff. And, and again, as you've done today, Sam, you know, of getting um, getting stuff out there and, and sharing these Q and A's that people can get involved with, and um, we can have that interaction is really important. You know, and um, you can make those connections with people in in the industry and get you know get yourself a foot in the door as well. I think that's great. And you know, when I was working on productions much more. I was always very keen with people I met um, through things like Bradford and um, with, yeah, animated bits and pieces in Wolverhampton and around the country. People coming up and saying hello and saying, show me the work. And then I was able to give them work experience and give them that first step on the, on the, you know, on the run of their career. And, you know, some of those people, uh, many of those people are still working in Ardman on the well, you know, so It's a nice thing to see people come through from there from college or school have that passion and then find them working in the industry or even being setting up their own studios and employing you as well which is um yeah yeah i, I love that i don't find that disheartening i think it's fair to you they've been braver than me and made mm. their own studio, made their own. that's a really truly really wonderful thing yeah. 
sorry, I'm, I'm just just as you come to us. Sometimes just as you come to a stop, I go to read the question, and that's when I suddenly get caught. Sorry. <laughs> that's quite all right. But that, that was really nice uh, words of wisdom as well there, and and yeah, like you say, it's just getting going for it, isn't it? Yeah. Um, with a lot of things, really. But I mean, uh, you know, for, for example, I've been watching. Uh, you know, a lot of us have. You know, Grace and Perry's Art Club. Really mm. stuff, and then mm. I was thinking, oh, maybe I'll send some of my stuff we need to playtime. Like maybe I'll send some of those things in. And then there was that um, that amazing autistic guy, who's rather brilliant little, uh, you know, the clay by the looks of it, or uh, yeah, right. just great little plasticine characters. And I thought, ah, oh, well, that's that's that. It's been me too. But so brilliant and yeah. so creative, and uh, yeah. I'd love to check that out. I think I've got that. On my list of things to watch, but I'm going to definitely oh, check. You watch it. There's a there's a new series coming up as well with um, yeah, new entries. So if anybody's interested in doing it, you can find them online. Uh, yeah. Teams and the deadlines as well. Yeah, brilliant. I will uh, be checking yeah. that out. Yeah, it could be video art. Could be the first thing to go on. Oh, fantastic. I'll yeah. Check that for myself. But uh, yeah. I'll uh, I'll share the link and things on the the page as well for everyone else to look at. Cool. Um, uh, we've got Mindy Lou asking in. If you could make a model of anybody, who would you choose? Do you get, ever get people asking you to make a model of them to be a cameo in a film or TV thing? Um, it's not something I particularly enjoy, I would mm. say. Um, but um, I have done a couple different little kind of nods to people along the way. Um, and uh, yeah, they all for Gordon Burns. I was asking for it to do one when he was retiring off TV, uh, like doing the news. Um, and I was asking very short notice to make a plastic character of it, and he wasn't terribly appreciative of it. So, uh, <laughs> but um, we have done some brilliant ones. Um, my friend Debbie is one of the kind of original sculptors at Arden, and um, done some marvelous ones for Mel Melvin Bragg and um, you know, uh, people like that. And you know, Nick Parker was featured in Sean as well as a bird watcher. So, and Nick's avid, avid bird watcher, so the one that gets attacked. And, um, is that in the newer one or the? Um, in short movie, yeah. Oh, I'll have to watch it again. I've, I've forgotten there. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> the scene that um, where he gets attacked by birds as pets <laughs> is really brilliant. So um, yeah, I mean they're good fun, but I, I, it's quite high pressure, especially people mm -hmm. like make um, cake toppers and things like that. Yeah. Um, the wedding, they go, I want you to make me beautiful and look like Wallace at the same time. They go, well, that is not possible. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I've had to make a few people before now. Um, uh, some I, I did it as a uh, as a favour for a friend once, and then I've done a few families and yeah. done them in a similar sort of style of that. And uh, yeah, trying to figure out how to make someone with very short hair not look bald is yeah. <laughs> is quite interesting. Um, uh, but uh, uh, Donna or probably Shane asking, do you just animate classes in characters, or do you use other methods of animation? Um, I do all sorts really. I mean, often it starts with plasticine, but then you'll make a, you know, you'll do a plastic sculpt and then make a production sculpt which you then take apart and will cast in silicon or in bone latex or in resin, all sorts of different materials. So not everything that looks like clay is clay. So mm. a lot of time um, yeah, getting that plasticine look for, uh, for something like Early Man. But Early Man is made of fur fabric and plasticine, silicon, foam latex, all these different materials and hard elements. And all combined together to give you that kind of cartoon look. But you know, I, um, I've done 
little bits of digital animation and I'm, I'm learning very slowly um, how to do some of that stuff. Um, and I'm really enjoying it actually. Again, it's whatever medium tells the best story. So I'm not wedded to stop motion. Um, I've got a, a, a real love of it and I love sculpting. But um, if I can do something cheaper and quicker and with more energy, then I'll do it in puppetry, in live action, in TV, you know, as well. I, I do like um, uh, my, my style. I refer to my style as rough and ready. And um, I, I, I think it's because although being patient to do animation, I'm also very impatient and like my ideas to be down and, and yeah. there. So the drawing's yeah. not the same and very rough. And I was taught once in school that if you draw with pen, you draw, you're drawing scruffy, but you can keep all your mistakes in it and then hide them and things like that. So that's the same way I work with everything else. So it's like the, I'll show the, the puppets off to everyone else now. So it's like the dinosaur puppet. That was a case of, I had an hour to show how you could possibly make a dinosaur out of tinfoil. And um, you see what you come up with. And obviously with more time and a bit of patience, it probably might look a bit more like a, something from Jurassic Park maybe, but <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it, I like the idea of just getting things down. And again, it adds to the style, the overall style. Of, yeah, absolutely, embrace it. It's, it's great, yeah, really love that. Uh, I think we've run out of questions again, um, and we're coming to the end of it now. Um, uh, well, it's been really good fun, Sam, actually. Yeah, it's been nice. Yeah. Great questions as well. So, so thank yeah. you for, um, yeah, for sending those across. That's all right. No really good. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll give it a mo we'll, we'll sort of wrap it up a bit, but give it a moment in case anyone's, I don't know how far behind they are um, with the, the lag, but it's okay. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's it's been great having you on, and um, and as you said before, what we were saying about Barry, you, I think you are uh, still a big star, and it's been fantastic as well to see the work that you've done. The community playtime stuff has been fantastic. Thank you. Uh, and I know that that's been really helpful for a lot of people, and I was sending lots of people that way uh, at the, the start of the year. It's been uh, not start of the year, start of last year. Yeah, it's, it's almost a year now, isn't it? It's um, yeah. Yeah. Just, uh, I, I just um, regret not having more plasticine available to um, <laughs> to fill my house with plasticine creatures. But um, but no, it, it, I think that's been very helpful because I know that creativity is 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 really useful for people's mental health. Definitely. Well, I, I I found it very useful, and it's been nice to, to have that. So we have we have restarted it again after a flip with and um, so tomorrow at three pm. Oh, yeah. Plug in there. Um, the theme is horses. So, um, oh. so it'll be 3 p.m. on Instagram Live if anyone wants to join me. And join me at um, Jim Parkin, all one word. And I don't remember why, not I. And that is going to make it no? better of that there. Um, yeah, so you can come along and make plasticine horses or use FEMO or use Play Doh or um, just sketch um, along and join us for a now in um, the yeah. Brilliant. Well, what you can, um, I'm going to post links to this sort of thing on the Facebook page, but feel free yourself to share anything on our Facebook page. Any work you're doing, um, quite a lot. There's quite a lot of thank yous popping up and saying it was wonderful and thank you for your time and um, from everyone. Okay. So, thank you for joining me.
It's um, yeah. great fun to have a chat and catch up with you, Sam. Really nice. Uh, yeah, it was nice, nice to catch up with you as well. So um, what I'll do is I will end the broadcast now. We'll still be in the room for a minute. Um, we'll just not be live. So um, thanks, everyone. And um, take care. And we'll see you next week. Next week, we'll be carrying on with these dinosaur things. Um, we'll be making some more of this sort of stuff. So grab whatever, whatever bits you can to make them out of, mainly tinfoil and cutting and sticking stuff. Whatever you can get, we'll we'll make something out of it. So, see you next week. Thank you very much, Jim. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this Q and A podcast. We would like to thank Jim Parking for speaking to us and the Animation Club for their hard work. We hope that you enjoyed listening to this podcast. Goodbye. <laughs>